Welcome everyone to 451 Degrees Podcast. Today, uh, we are talking to John Delarose, uh, a published author of novels, comic books, uh, articles, including on The Federalist and his own YouTube channel. Hello. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing good too. So you have like quite a lexicon of content already and in many different medium streams, which is impressive. Uh, and I, but first I really wanted to get into the idea, like how did you get into writing and comic books? Cause it seems like that's like your big uh, entry into all of this. Yeah. I, I started kind of messing around with writing when I was like 18 in high school um, and I just like a bunch of fantasy books like Wheel of Time, Lord of the Rings, things like that. And, uh, and so I just followed that path from there. It took me a while to do it because I, I, you know, just wasn't thinking about it in terms of professional stuff for a long time. But as I did that and as I got more into like doing like role playing games like Dungeons and Dragons, and things like that, I, I really just wanted to continue that. And I wrote a novel over several years, finally finished it. It took me probably 10 years to write that novel just because I would be on and off and not serious about it. And then my second one I did took me two years to write. My third one I did took me nine months to write. And so then I, I just got <laughs> you just got used to it, right? So then it became something that I was doing regularly. Uh, I kind of hit, uh, I kind of hit like where I could actually make money off of it when I released my second novel, which was in 2017. And at that point, I just decided to just keep cranking them out so that I could kind of be like those old style pulp writers who was always coming out with new content, always giving people good stuff to check out and, uh, and just really trying to just revitalize independent fiction from a conservative side. Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I can see how that would be an interest politically as well, because it, I'm, I'm mostly into literary novels myself. And I noticed those are completely ideologically captured these days from the, yes. um, from the traditional publishing houses. So, um, I noticed that you are, you sell your books on Amazon. So every, just to let everyone know, that's where all your content is located. Um, although I did notice on your website that you can get three free books just by clicking that button. <laughs> yeah. I mean, eBooks, obviously I'm not going to yes. uh, print things out and, uh, <laughs> and spend money, spend money because you're signing up. Uh, yeah. but yeah, I, I, I do try to foster an email list because, at the end of the day, like for an author like myself, I, and I was talking about this uh, earlier, actually, with somebody from the opposite side of the spectrum who's actually yelling at me on Twitter now because uh, that's that's what they do, uh, and about deplatforming. And it's like, well, I could lose something like my, my Twitter, uh, which uh, my good friend, who's totally not me, lost their Twitter last year. Um, and from that point, my good friend uh, lost mm -hmm. about 20% sales just based on stuff that I was tracking. Because I had a, I, I a 6,000-person uh, Twitter account following, and that was pretty useful. So um, I know that that's the case. So I try to, I really try to like make it a good incentive to sign up for the newsletter because then I have the information offline of people's email addresses. If I disappear or I go to another platform or something like that, that's having your own way to control that is very, very important as an author uh, or as any kind of content creator, I think. Definitely. And, and what about comic books? How did you get into that? Because I noticed that you, you do quite a bit of that, too. Yeah. I first started uh, coming out with my first comic book, which I did as a webcomic in 2012, which I've continued to this day. 
And I wrote that in 2011, just basically I got mad at DC Comics because uh, they, I just saw that the, this is actually prior to all the political stuff really popping up in those books. But I just saw that they just kept like rebooting things over and over again. So you'd get into a book, uh, a new writer would take over, they'd completely reboot it, just cast off the last stuff. And uh, the one that really got me at the time was Batgirl. I really loved Batgirl and what was going on in that book. And they just completely erased everything that was going on with the character and just said, oops, it's changed now. There's been some event. And, uh, you know, that frustrated me. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take what I liked about that character style. And I'm going to take what I like about the character's attributes and all that. I'm going to make my own character out of it. And guess what? There's never going to be a reboot because I'm in control. <laughs> yeah. That kind of reminds me, Flannery O'Connor said that uh, writers will write the kind of books they want to read. So it's like yes. you wanted to read that and it, they stopped giving it to you. So you started essentially writing it. And I I think that's uh, really amazing because I a lot of people are like in this complain mindset as opposed to trying to move forward on something, which is what you did. You know, instead of just complaining, you moved forward and did something to like make it better. And I, I think that's really awesome. Now, um, I would so love to complain about that. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the instability, ugh, I, I get it. That was really the, the whole the whole like conservative news ecosystem uh, has become just like this, like fear porn over the last like six, eight years. All they do is just like, oh, my gosh, the sky is falling. This person's blacklisted. Like, you know, when I was getting when I was getting blacklisted and banned from conventions and things like that, I had people in the news asking to talk to me. But, you know, on the other side. What happens is when any cultural anything happens, they'll, they'll have just cultural articles where they just interview uh, an author or whatever, say like Ta-Nehisi Coates or something like that. And Ta-Nehisi Coates will just give his talk about whatever he feels like and be like, oh, by the way, I'm writing Black Panther right now. Uh, check it out. And they'll, they'll put that in their article. We don't have that on our side. We don't ever talk about anything like that. And it's only the band that gets talked about. It's only the bad that gets talked about. And, uh, and only the clickbait that gets talked about. And it's because our, honestly, it's because our side's a little more driven by the profit motive. So they just only want what's going to be profitable. And it doesn't get you clicks to do like a, you know, this is our book review of the week that, you know, it really doesn't. But uh, that does frustrate me a bit. And I, I tried to bring that to the Federalist. Uh, and I, mm -hmm. I really beat my head against the wall there. I do have a story actually about that. Um, one of my articles was about, there was a BYU TV series, and I don't even remember the name of it today, but Orson Scott Card did it, who's a Mormon conservative uh, author. He wrote Ender's Game, which is a very yes. popular novel. And uh, he was he was in charge of the writing on this TV show. And it was a very low budget TV show, but it was a sci-fi future. Beautiful. It was family. The family prayed together. Like it had everything like good with culture. And it was PG. Uh, they were fighting aliens. And I was like, okay, this is a cool thing. This is a good start. It's low budget, but like, let's, let's draw attention to this. Let's like, because we never get any TV shows as conservatives at all. So like, if this does well, maybe somebody will do a higher budget one, et cetera. And that can snowball. So I, I interviewed the director of that and, uh, and got a whole interview lined up and I told the Federalist I was going to do this. And they're like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I send it to them. I write the whole article up. They don't publish it. And I'm like, huh, well, this is a bummer because the show is like, just came out this week. It, it's news this week. You could actually create buzz for it this week. Uh, a year later, they came back and said, oh yeah, we saw this article. Do you still want us to run it? I'm like, well, sure. This show's canceled now, but <laughs> I guess people can still find it. It's just that, you know, 
the conservatives just never prioritize culture whatsoever and the creation of things. And it's, it's super, super frustrating. And it's not about self-promotion. Like I said, I was just wanting to promote this show because it was a show with good values by good people. And, uh, you know, I just thought that would be a nice thing to do from my position at the Federalist. And it just got squashed because guess what? Not going to get clicks. It's too bad. Yeah, that is, that does, uh, that sucks. I, I gotta say, because like, I am, I'm big on this whole, we need to create culture, uh, that is not ideologically captured by the woke because it's, it's just so prevalent right now. And if we don't promote and create culture, we're never going to like make any headway on this. I I'd have to say, because it's like, that's how people spend their time. They spend There's a it little bit changing movies. about it now. I mean, with, a. Uh... With the whole comic books group, you know, le like it's led by Ethan Van Skyver. He's been creating mm -hmm. his own stuff too. Uh, I've, I, I obviously am plugging and creating my own stuff as I do this. You know, whenever I do a video saying, you know, this this idiot SJW is ruining Superman today, I always, I, I, it's like, here's an alternative to Superman. Here's the solution. Um, and I then try to use my platform on my streams to, of course, bring other creators on and all that and, and get them a little head up also. So that's, that's how we have to start doing things. That's really the only space in which is kind of working right now. Um, I really wish companies like the Federalist or the Daily Wire or any of these groups would just like get their acts together and do something about it. Um, I've, I, I, I always see one of the commentators with blue checks on, on Twitter, you know, who are working for those groups. I always go, why are there no conservatives in culture? And the answer is there are. It's just you never do the investigation and never support any of them. Uh, and yeah. I don't know what to do about that because I can complain about it till the cows come <laughs> home, uh, but nobody's going to click on it. So, <laughs> yeah, well, I, uh, I noticed that a lot of your videos have kind of what I would call like clickbaity outragey titles, but I don't yes. get that sense necessarily, like entirely from your content, which I think is kind of interesting because, um, I do notice that, that, that on the conservatives or libertarian side of, YouTube that is very popular to 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 respond to woke culture in this outragey way, um, but it, and I know it gets the clips, doesn't it? Like you, it does one hundred percent. I used to uh, I used to like do a big mixture of things, just of course trying to get the YouTube channel somewhere, um, and I wasn't growing very fast for a long time. I would do comic book reviews. Uh, I actually, I spun off my comic book reviews. So I, I, I like doing comic book reviews just because I like reading comic books. So I did a second channel with just comic book reviews. It gets almost no clicks. Um, and I found that like when I did a, a clickbaity title, I would get, you know, 150 clicks when I was smaller. It's now, now about 300, 400 clicks uh, in a day when I get one of those. And the comic book ones would get like 30, 40 clicks. So it was, a, it was a difference of like three to four X. And so that's why I stopped doing it. And then once I stopped doing it, the channel be became more consistent. So of course people were looking for just that. So then it, it started to really grow really fast. I'm now growing uh, by like three, 400 subscribers uh, like a month. And that's pretty good. I, I, I like that rate of growth. I'd of course like it to go even faster, but uh, I, if this just stays like this forever and just grows this amount uh, by next year, you know, we'll be in really good shape. So I do the clickbait titles. Uh, I learned how to do that because I've worked for several different media organizations in writing. And um, I don't always give the take people think they're going to get, I guess, uh, because I try to take a very holistic look at things and a step back look at things. Obviously, Joe Rogan's very much in the news right now. So it's like I'm going to talk about the Joe Rogan topic like you expect. 
But you're not going to expect me to say like, oh, Joe Rogan shouldn't have apologized for saying the N-word because, you know, nobody else is saying that. But you, in no way should you ever apologize to SJWs. Like, and, and it just, just destroys things every single time. And so I like to give that point and, and just like give the pointers of like, if this happens to you, because if, if you listen to the context in which he said it, he's, he's saying, you know, he's reading some script like this person called you an N-word. And now you can't even do that these days, I guess. It doesn't make any, any sense whatsoever. No. Uh, but uh, that's what they're trying to gotcha him for. It's crazy. He should never have apologized for that. Uh, and if you find yourself in that situation, don't apologize for it. Don't resign from anything. Don't like whip yourself and flagellate <laughs> yourself for the, the, the SJW, you know, idol God or whatever it is. Uh, it doesn't do any good. It just loses the respect of people who would be on your side to fight with you. And it loses, uh, and, and the other people are just out there to try to torture you. So it's like, there's no reason to try to appease them. So that's, that's my type of advice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I did. I have been saying that for a long time too. Like don't apologize to them because it's, um, it's blood in the water to them and they yeah. just, it ter- creates feeding frenzy. So it's not, not it's normal not actually, people. Yeah. No. <laughs> um, like, if I was mean to you and I hurt your feelings or something like that, I might call you up and apologize to you. I mean, that's, I'm not saying that. But you're yeah. a normal person, so that would be like a normal like social interaction we'd have. These are just people on the internet just pounding at their keyboards, like trying to destroy people, and that's it. So yeah, it's a mob. It's not. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like one individual going, uh, "You hurt my feelings." That's not what's happening. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, in the like, um, so like, comic state is relatively recent, and obviously, gamer date is quite a year, few years old now. And I kind of want your opinion on like both of these uh, phenomenon, like, because when it comes to Gamergate, a lot of the content that you hear from mainstream sources is they ignore things like not your shield, the counter movement Mm -hmm. and uh, things like that. So uh, from someone who's in comics, what is your um, like opinion of all of this? Well, uh, Gamergate, I was not really around for it. <laughs> um, I don't really play video games because I, I write a lot and I play tennis as a, as a hobby. And so I've got just horrible tendonitis in my <laughs> wrist. And, uh, and so if I played, if I played video games, I would not be able to get anything done. And so mm-hmm. I never played video games. So I was just not really in those circles. Um, I started going on the kill stream and things like that. Once the comics case thing started to blow up because I became a guest from that perspective. Right. But um mm-hmm. But that's my only interaction. Like I've, I've interacted with, uh, you know, Ethan Ralph positive, you know, he's, he's a friend of mine. Uh, I have not interacted. I'd love to interact with Medicare. I think he's the funniest guy on the internet. Um, and I've interacted with a couple of the other guys too, but, uh, I've just seen it peripherally. So I can't, can't comment on it too much. I mean, I obviously agree with the, the base concept that it's supposed to be around, which is like ethics in journalism. You know, there should be ethics in journalism. And if there are biases and things like that, they should be, you know, broadcast. They shouldn't, they shouldn't just be hidden. Uh, and we see that a lot now, especially the media, like there's such an access by like bias with the media that people don't understand too, that even like, if it's not like some ideological thing, it's not an ideologue and a lot of them are ideologues, but a lot of these people like, you know, they'll be nice to Joe Biden or whatever and never say anything critical about him because then they'll get access to an interview for with Joe Biden or, or Kamala Harris or whatever. And they want that access. So they're just going to kiss up to them so that they can maintain that access. And that will, that will color what they do in their articles and things like that. And it presents a bias. Like that's something that a lot of people don't realize 
uh, drives a lot of the media because that interview is worth a lot of money to them. So they're not going to not going to jeopardize it. And uh, when the media is that corrupt, just based on trying to get a few clicks for a few dollars, uh, you can't trust them with anything. So that, that's what I think of Gamergate. That's what I, that's what happened in the video game industry. Even uh, they have access with their creators for interviews and all, all of it goes the same way down the line, just on a smaller microcosm. Um, so I'm in, I'm in, I'm in solidarity with those guys, but I'm just not in those circles. Um, yeah. Comics Gate came about uh, actually was was my fault. Um, and, and uh, a lady named Megan Fox from PJ Media. Now, Megan Fox is one of the only people in the media who actually report on these conservative culture things, so she's great. And uh, we uncovered that there was this YouTuber named uh, Diversity in Comics at the time, and this was 2017. And there were a bunch of comic book throat pros uh, from Marvel and DC, like the big companies, threatening him at conventions. They, they actually were in a Facebook group talking about how like, oh my gosh, if he's going to be here, what are we going to do? What's our plan? Right. And conspiring. And they started conspiring to get him banned. And they started saying, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to follow him and goad him into throwing a punch at me. So I'm going to harass him said, because he, and, and hope that he gets, uh, gets violent. That way I can, can report him to the convention organizers and get him banned and kicked out. All I can think is yeah. in like, is harassment's illegal too. <laughs> you th- you, but you know how these things go. I mean, you yeah. know, they, they'd make it look like it was him, even though they're provoking it and starting it. And it's nasty. I mean, they're plotting this in a Facebook group and these are professionals in the industry. These are people who like make full-time livings doing it. It's like, why are you harassing some YouTuber? Um, so I got the screenshots of that from, uh, a person who's in the industry, who's still anonymous about it to this day, uh, who, thank you for giving me that, by the way, uh, if you ever watch this. <laughs> uh, and I, I blasted it out. I, I made a video about it, et cetera, that it went viral. I gave it to Megan Fox. Megan Fox wrote a, a PJ Media article about it, which then got on Instapundit and all that. So it blew up big. And as we're talking about it, Megan and I were like, what are we going to do with this? And she's like, well, there's Gamergate and all, and like, you know, scandal, scandals with journalists and all this, like it's, it's Watergate. Like, so she's like, let's do comics gate. And I said, okay, let's do comics gate. And uh, so we just started smashing that hashtag as we're trying to get the word out that this guy's like, this is how ugly the industry is. This is how corrupt it is. If you make YouTube videos that are negative about their comics, that's all this guy did. He was a reviewer. And he said, I don't like this comic. And they're, they're trying to like harass him out of conventions and things like that. That's crazy. Um, you know, if it's that corrupt, that is a gate in the in the classic sense. And so yeah. we'll, we'll make that. And so we, we did that. It went super viral. A lot of people picked it up. You know, of course, it's tra- changed and transitioned over time uh, to different things. And of course, the people who now are the people who fight against the industry, like Mr. Ethan Van Skyver, now like go under the moniker Comics Gate, and it's become pretty much his brand. Uh, so, but that's how it really began back in the day. And uh, it's it's really interesting to see how that's grown. And it's really great that there's like actually a movement online that's really about creating things and pushing back against uh, this corrupt industry. It's good. I have noticed that that happens a lot, what those people were doing, that a a way of um, a a harassment campaign around a reviewer or or a competitor Mm -hmm. of some kind. This has been going on, and I wouldn't call it necessarily a new phenomenon because I've seen it in industries pre-internet as well. Like if you look at the history of X and X industry, you'll see they went after someone in, in much the same way 
uh, as a as a way of advancing their own careers or um, uh, or taking out someone who was a detractor in some way. Uh, I just think it moves a lot faster. Yeah. And and I because of social media. And I think it's really great that you um, you use social media yourself as as a way of combating this because it is unethical on on levels that just are horrifying to me. So I, I'm so glad that you 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 did that because it definitely needed to happen. And um, as Dad said, would say you've released your inner honey badger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Uh, I, I'm a fighter and uh, a lot, you know, I, I do rub some people the wrong way because a lot of people are not fighters and not everybody wants to live in this full-time battle where, you know, they're, they're actually trying to destroy every conservative out there from culture. Some people just want to hang out and watch their Black Widow movie or, mm-hmm. or their Shang-Chi movie and not have to think about it. Cause that's supposed to be your escape time. It's supposed to be your unwind time. I totally get that. And I, I don't, I don't want to bug people about that at all, but at the same time, like, you know, uh, we're, we're the people who are fighting. We're the people who are out there and we're, um, I, I don't mind engaging, uh, with the other side. Uh, they're, they're scared to debate me on every topic. I'm, I'm actually on Twitter right now. And there's a comic industry professional talking about deplatforming and how conservatives mischaracterize the first amendment. Uh, to justify deplatforming, and I and I'm j- I just came at him, and I'm just like, are are you saying you want me deplatformed? And uh, mm-hmm. and he's giving me the whole rhetorical rope a dope thing. That's mm-hmm. happening literally live right now. I don't mind doing that, um, but you know, I, I I do hope our side will support uh, us in doing that because these people do need to be called out because that's that's insane to think about that this guy who makes his living off of comics is out there justifying and saying that there's no, there shouldn't be a legal recourse for me to be harassed by these giant corporations over how I voted or what my religious beliefs are. Uh, I mean, if, if this was flipped and it was over somebody's skin color or like somebody or, or their, their commie beliefs or whatever, he would a hundred percent be like, this is terrible. F the corporation, you, you know, he'd be doing it. So it's, uh, you know, the hip, the hypocrisy is really what I like to call out because then our side can laugh at it. And when you laugh, you, you really de-weaponize a lot of these things. And, uh, and that's a lot of my goal with my, my YouTube content and things like that is to make everybody laugh because, uh, if we're having fun at the end of the day, we'll grow because this is an entertainment industry and fun will win out over angry people who are trying to force us into their belief systems. I agree with that. And I, I would say this, like there seems to be a, a quality to the entertainment from that side that is not actually funny or fun in like, it's kind of drab actually. And kind of just requires, as I've, I've said this before on the channel, the golf clap. Yes. Like, yeah. It, it, the golf <laughs> clap, it is. Yes. Please clap. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're, very, we're very brave and we're very is, literary. Yes. Yeah. Versus yeah, like the, the like full body, I'm enjoying myself kind of exuberance that we can still see from people who are not doing that. And uh, so I, I agree with you that if we get people to like laugh, if we get them to enjoy themselves, it is entertainment, then more than the other side, it's probably going to be really great for us. Now, I, I called you a fighter and you have actually had a lawsuit that got uh, settled in your favor uh, yes. against the San Francisco Science Fiction Convention. Yes. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, well, I've I've been involved in two arbitrations. Uh, one was against uh, Indiegogo, which is a uh, crowdfunding mm-hmm. website, much like Kickstarter. Yeah, they. Uh, I did that uh, with a group of people. We actually we we actually banded together on this because they removed a book from its platform, uh, which was called Alt Hero Q, and it was by uh, by Vox Day and Chuck Chuck Dixon, who Chuck Dixon is longtime Batman writer, uh, my absolute hero. Like I want to be like I, I'm 40, but I want to be him when I grow up. You know, <laughs> like it's that it's that kind of thing. And uh, they removed it just because it said Q in the title, right? And uh, and they just flipped out about it. So they a did letter a in the alphabet. Oh, yes, I know. <laughs> Which you know they they put it in the title to be provocative, of course, right? Yeah, but um, <laughs> it was a good book too. But it uh, it the campaign actually ended, and uh, they they said we raised all the funds. They actually gave them an email saying the funds are going to be on their way, and then somebody actually went in in the company and saw it even after it was all all closed and over, halted the funds from going out, said wait a minute, deleted the campaign refunded everybody after holding like they held my contribution for like 45 days uh and then like and then gave it back so they were accruing interest on it of course and it's like wow uh and this was about a hundred and twenty five thousand dollar campaign so it wasn't chump change that they were doing this with so we all banded together because there is a uh arbitration uh agreement in there that they put that they put as the laws for the state of california and i know this wasn't the question you asked me but this is a fun lawsuit to talk about too um and uh we went in and basically uh you know accused them of fraud because they fraudulently took their money they fraudulently did not provide the services they were going to say they were providing to give that money to the the campaign that we backed and there was nothing about the terms of service like in for the letter q like there was there it's not like that you know what not not like i like it right (laughs) (laughs) it just doesn't make sense. And, uh, and so we all did this arbitrations together and gosh, there were hundreds of us. And the beautiful thing about these arbitrations and the way that the state of California, God bless the state of California, uh, (laughs) that our laws work, they actually built these, uh, to quote, protect these companies and the companies were trying to avoid class action lawsuits. And so they, 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 they made it so that legally these companies can force people into arbitration first so they don't get this big class action lawsuit of you know and, and go bankrupt well mm-hmm. there's a problem with the way that they did it because the state of california then has consumer protections for these uh, arbitrations so while i have a hundred dollar filing fee and everybody else has a hundred dollar filing fee to put in this arbitration the company then has to bear the cost of the arbitration each individual one and they're all individual, plus the filing fees on that side, which the corporate filing fee is $1,000. So the minute 100 of us go in on this, which we, which more than 100 of us did, just to file their responses, they're actually required by the state of California to pay that $1,000 every time. So just for the filing fees, before they even engage their attorneys, anything, they're in this $100,000, $200,000 as a loss immediately. So uh, that uh, all I'm allowed to say about that uh, lawsuit and the arbitration there is it was resolved satisfactorily between the parties. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. Oh, that's very similar to what happened to Patreon with Sargon of Akkad. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, and I remember seeing arbitration uh, like documents when I was first going into the workforce, like for like retail and stuff, so, like young and going, I don't want to freaking sign this. Cause I knew immediately what it meant that I couldn't take them to court. And, um, 
on a, on the level of um, like that, I could see how it's not helpful to the to the person. But when it comes to these big platforms, uh, it it's and they they do something that affects like a hundred people. It's to bite them in the ass like real fast. And yes. I I I find that pretty hilarious. Um, I just think that's so awesome. Now, you did have the other lawsuit, the San Francisco uh, Science Fiction Convention one. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, this was a wild one. I'm actually like walking down this uh, downtown Disney with my little kids and I'm in Disneyland and and my phone's blowing up, right? And Mm -hmm. I'm like, what's going on? So I look at my phone and my friends are all texting me. The, the World World Science Fiction Convention just banned you. They just wrote this nasty thing on, on their website. And I'm like, no, you got to be kidding. What? For what? And so I look it up and they have this whole like rambling statement because some SJW wrote it and he, he just had to, he just had to uh, go crazy. That is what they do. They write these mm-hmm. walls of text, right? <laughs> um, and, <laughs> and Even in entertainment. Coming. I know. <laughs> it's just like, gosh. And so, so I look at it and I read it and it's just like, okay, we're removing John Delarose in order to remove racism and bullying elements uh, from our conventions. And, uh, you know, we're, we're try- striving to be a better convention. Harassment is not a, you know, all this stuff, right? Gobbledygook that doesn't mean anything. And I looked at it you know, and I'm just like, what did I, I didn't do anything. So I, so I write them and I'm like, what am I, what am I, what the heck is going on? Like, I'm just trying to go to a convention. And they write back, our decision is final. There are no appeals. And I'm like, for what? And, you know, like they, they don't, uh, they, they, they just go around circles without telling me what's going on. So I'm like, fine. So one of my friends actually contacts a, an attorney uh, who's a, who does a bunch of civil rights litigation in California. And that, that guy sees it and he's like, oh, well, there's a couple things here. California's got some, some robust civil rights statutes, of course. Uh, which we can fight them with. Thank you, Cal. They're not designed for us to fight them with, but we can use them because they are the law. That's the beauty with this. Um, and uh, it's clearly like when when they call me a racist bully, uh, that is clearly liable, you know, unless they have a reason to call me a racist bully, which guess what? They don't. Um, there's nothing there. And so, uh, so we file a lawsuit. Um, you know, I try to talk to the guys again, like before. I'm like, look, I'm going to, I'm going to file a lawsuit. You can call me. Cause I always, I always try to just like settle this, like a normal adult or a business because I've never been like anytime I've ever had a problem with a customer in business, in business, like outside of writing and all that, it's always just been like, you know, maybe we butt heads and all that. We pick up the phone, we have a meeting, we figure out what you want, what I want, see if we can figure something out. And it's never a personal thing, but this is just intensely personal with them because like their politics are their religion. And me, especially as a Hispanic guy, like who flies in the face of what the, you know, I'm not allowed to vote for Trump. Trump's racist. Like they can't even compute it in their heads. And I'm not either. Uh, yeah, <laughs> they, they, they throw a fit. Oh, a woman. Why, why would you do that? Trump said he wanted to grab you by the pussy. Well, no, he didn't. Like, you know, it's like, stop. But, you know, they, they just hear what they want to hear. And, and they're, they're so such zealots. They, they don't have anything else. Um, so that's what I dealt with. Um, and it, we had to end up going into a lawsuit. Now that was like January, 2018. So it didn't get resolved until July, 2021. So this is how long our legal court system takes. You have to be, again, a real fighter. You have to sit and wait it out by the time, like you even get a trial date. And all, it was like mid 2020 where I'm in the middle of the pandemic. And I'm like, 
I don't even care anymore. You know, it's like, it's so hard, like to, to keep up that energy. And my, my attorney actually had to tell me at the time, like, John, we waited this out for three years. Like we could end this now, or we could just like, but you really have to go through with this. I know that it doesn't matter to you so much anymore, but it's like, yes, I know. I, okay. So we did. And sure enough, uh, we got the guy in deposition. He's a white guy. And he, of course, we get him in deposition. He's in charge of things. And so we start asking him all the questions and he starts giving him these weird zealotry answers. And these, and, and my, my attorney's just messing with him. And uh, he's just like, okay, so, uh, so you know John's Hispanic, right? He's like, oh yeah, John, John says that all the time. I'm, and he's very proud of it. I'm like, yes, okay. And he's like, so John's like a minority. So isn't he like, you know, in terms of like social justice and what you're trying to do, isn't he a minority? And therefore he's somebody like who like needs help and blah, blah, blah. And the guy goes, oh yes, too. And then he pauses and he goes, but he's light skinned. So he still has white privilege. And I'm like, oh my gosh, the mental gymnastics these guys go through is so crazy. And we're about an hour into going back and forth. And my attorney finally drops the question and he goes, so do you have any evidence or anything written or any video that John's made where you would like conclude that he's racist? Do you have evidence like that, that he's made a racist comment or anything like that, that would make you believe he's racist? And the guy, he's on Zoom just like this and he goes, no. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm, I'm trying not to laugh because we have this Zoom conference. So I'm just sitting here like, oh my God, like, he, like this is a libel lawsuit. And they called me that. And he literally just said no under oath. <laughs> I know. And so it was absurd. And I, I kind of feel bad because like the guy's clearly crazy, right? And he's he's clearly got mental issues. And that's all these SGWs always have mental issues. They, it's a huge mental disorder. Whenever you encounter this, they're they're insane. And well, it, um, yeah. it's not even just that they're in, that they have a mental like disorder. It's that they're not even trying to work on it. Like they're no. like, basking in it. <laughs> The, the beauty of this, so so we got that, and of course my attorney pulls me off air, and we and he's like, "Well, we just won the case, so I don't really see any need to continue the deposition anymore." You know, <laughs> yeah. um, and I'm like, "Of course, I was like, yeah." And uh, but interestingly, so that came out, and at that point we started being, you know, they started being like, "Okay, well, let's settle." And um, so I asked them for a lot of money, and they said, "Well, we don't have that, you know, because they're all broke too, because SJWs are always broke." Um, that's why they're miserable. But, uh, <laughs> but so, you know, we settled for a little bit because I actually looked at their bank accounts and they did not have uh, a terrible amount of money to spend uh, on this. And of course, uh, with mine, it was very different. I didn't, I, I wasn't willing to settle like the Indiegogo thing for a, uh, a mutually agreeable, whatever. Uh, I wanted a real apology from them. Like that's all mm -hmm. I really cared about. So they were forced to write an apology and blast it out in their newsletter, put it in a couple different sci-fi uh, journals and publications and uh, it's out there and they have this formal thing apologizing uh, for calling me a racist and uh, so yes I always like to tell people I am legally not racist so <laughs> <laughs> well they but couldn't they prove it learn. they literally admitted it I can't believe it's it. great like, this I love so, it I mean the 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 idiocy of admitting <laughs> during a deposition that you were wrong like yes. oh my god <laughs> I can't it was, it wasn't even like a caveat wrong. It was just, nope. Okay. 
yeah. we'll stop here. <laughs> that is they so, they that didn't is learn hilarious. their lesson. Like you, like to your point earlier, where like they're not trying to work on it. They're not trying to work on just like not lashing out or their crazy stuff like that. Um, they wrote a blog about it later on a, a science fiction gossip website. And his conclusion was next time we do things like this, we're just not going to state the reason why we're banning them. It's like, maybe you shouldn't just ban somebody and like, because they're racist, like you should just leave people alone and let people just enjoy science fiction, enjoy the arts, enjoy entertainment along with you. You keep saying diversity, but you're trying to kick out anybody who doesn't agree with you. Like, just stop. That's the problem. It's not how you phrased it, you know? Yeah. Oh, my well, gosh. I mean, they, the lesson they learned in this situation is that they need to be more vague. That's what mm. they've learned, uh, which is and, – and that's a that's a big tech, like, go-to. And it's, it it's often a go-to for litigation to be as vague as possible because if you're vague, then they can't nail you down. And it's um, – it needs to be – like, we wouldn't accept this – for criminal law like when no. you know like so i i don't understand why we're accepting it for actual like contracts with private companies but that's where we are right now um but so you have uh so you mentioned twitter uh the the ban and everything and i got it's kind of funny i got banned in uh uh july last year myself um, excellent I'm glad you have the yeah. merit badge with me. Yes. Yes. And um, so it was like right around the same time. And it kind of, kind of made me laugh when I saw that. And um, uh, I got banned. Like I was looking at the ban and um, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. Just like mine doesn't really make any sense to me. Um, uh, considering. What was yours? I kept going after uh, essentially only fans and Twitch thoughts for trying to get people fired. Um, mm. and I, I use the, the word whore, uh, and that was it. Uh, just to be clear. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like when you're literally prostituting yourself, that's actually being a whore. Yeah, like, li I'm li sorry. Literally. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Like it's, and I, and like, here's the thing too, is that I don't care if you want to do that, but don't lie and say it's some great respectable thing. Like you're a doctor or a lawyer. Like, no, that is literally prostitution. I don't have a problem with it. Do it, own it, but don't, don't get upset when someone calls you on it. And I, uh, so that's, that was my ban. And, um, but I've seen recently, you've got something going on with discord bans. It wasn't uh, me personally. Yeah. Um, I know today. Uh, I, I, a bunch of my friends all got banned and they started, and I started, I started looking and I'm like, is it me? No, no, I'm still there. Um, <laughs> I don't know if this is the type of thing I can bring up and share my screen, but I actually have what discord sent to my friends. Every one of them got this letter. Exactly. Uh, if you, if this can be done, there it is. All right, here it is. This is everyone. Like there, there were about 30 people who all got this. And, uh, I found out they were in a server, which was, related to Comicsgate. It was a, uh, it was a YouTuber server. Who's a very small YouTuber, a very friendly guy, uh, also from California here with me. And, uh, I actually didn't join his server, uh, because just, I didn't think about, you know, I'm busy. So I just don't join everybody's server. If I can, if I can help <laughs> it, I've got my own. So if you want to talk to me, find me there. Um, but, yeah, I, got my so own I didn't, too. <laughs> but, uh, the, everybody joined his server, about 30 people and, uh, they all got popped. Uh, today and a lot of them are just super nice people just normal there's one lady who is like all she does is talk about books she's not even really like 
that big of a like i'd say political type person she'll just talk about star trek or books and things like that she's very much just a big sci-fi fan and a very sweet lady there's she would never have said anything wrong or violating any terms of service or anything but here it is hello discord is focused on maintaining a safe and secure environment for our community we found your account to be in violation of our terms of service or community guidelines as a result we've disabled your account for the following reason, your account sent threats to others, participated in targeted harassment, incited violence against individuals or communities, or was involved in a server dedicated to those behaviors. So we found out the common ground was they were in, in this Comicsgate server, uh, and that's all it was, was just this Comicsgate server. So I guess Discord labeled it uh, a server dedicated towards harassment, violent, whatever it is, it's a comic book server. It's nonsensical. And all yeah. these people just got just ban hammers out today. No, no warnings, no three strikes. Like they didn't even say anything themselves just because they happened to be in a server that discord then targeted. It's very like, this is next level. Like we found the community of you right wingers and we're just going to ostracize all of you. Even if you didn't do anything at this point, that's uh, that's yeah. what this is. Crazy. This is making me think we need a Discord uh, alternative. <laughs> I hear that's there's a I'm... new one called Gilded um, that's being branded about. It's owned by a large corporation, though. Um, like it's a subsidiary of like one of the bigger. I forget which corporation it is, but mm -hmm. so I'm not. I'm not entirely sure it's like a real alternative because of that. But I'm looking into it. So if I conclude that, follow me, and I'll start talking about it. <laughs> okay, that's good. Yeah, um, yeah just, this is kind of, um, I, I recently saw something, it's kind of a joke, but it's also actually true. It's where this kid says that community punishment is against the uh, Geneva Convention. And it's true, mm -hmm. it actually is. And that's what this really? is. This kind of stuff is community punishment. Um, you can't, yes. you're not supposed to hold someone responsible for the actions of other people just because you're part of the same community. That is community punishment. It is uh, like illegal according to the Geneva Convention, like <laughs> because it's something that happened a lot during World War II and they don't want people to start doing it again. Now that's usually aimed at uh, countries, at states, but mm -hmm. um, I, I think it's fair to hold uh, private entities to that general principle as well, because it's kind of inhuman. And corporations at this point are basically their own fiefdoms uh, in which control people. I mean, they, even though they're not an official country or whatnot, a lot of times they even have more power over people than countries do. So, uh, you know, I, I definitely think that's fair to hold corporations to a standard like that for sure. So, and now like that, uh, sorry, I'm like, <laughs> like my brain is trying to go to the next thing right now. Um <clears throat> Now, you've been accused by bull of bullying quite often. Uh, one guy has an entire page dedicated to your bullying. Uh, yes. Jim Chimes. And, um, I, like, he... Now, here's the thing. He says that you often... He basically describes you as someone who can't let something go, which I found very ironic looking at this extremely long page on you by him and i was like you're living rent free in this man's head 
Uh, There's at least a hundred thousand words about me on that page. I've never written that much uh, about an individual in my entire life. Even like, even when I write an article for the Federalist or whatever, if you want to call that bullying or whatever, you guys, <laughs> whatever they call everything that these days, uh, you know, they're 1500 words. So this guy is uh, literally an insane stalker. Uh, and I should be able to get a restraining order on him if they, if, if, yeah, if I need to, uh, I had never interacted with him nor met him before he started writing this. Uh, he's just some guy in science fiction who's just like, I guess, I, I, I don't know. I mean, he's crazy, clearly. Um, and it, it's it's really sad because he's got this SEO'd thing about me, which is search engine optim optimized. You pull up my name, that's what comes up because he he really not only dedicated the the blog post uh, like uh, content in the middle of it with all over and over and over again. He's he's still like he wrote an update um, I think a week ago, uh, and he he, 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 he updates he pulls, it quite regularly. Yeah, yeah very regularly. <laughs> he he clearly follows and stalks me. Um, and hi Jim. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, yeah, hi, you know, I don't, I don't follow him. Like, I don't, I really don't care what he's doing with his life. Uh, I've got too much to do, but, uh, I don't know where I was going with the, oh, the, the last update was a really weird one. There was a convention, a science fiction convention, which I'm interested in science fiction conventions as a science fiction author and reporter. It makes sense. Uh, that went on, gosh, um, it was like two, three weeks ago. And this is his update. Uh, somebody, I knew because I, I have like I have almost five thousand YouTube followers, right? Was at this convention, uh, not abnormal. I know a lot of science fiction people who are at a lot of different conventions all the time. They sent me pictures of this convention uh, because they were there and they were just attending as a fan. And I didn't tell them to nothing like that. I just got the, I just got these pictures, and uh, they were sending me pictures to show that it, this was a woke convention, which it is. And there's nobody there. The attendance was pitiful. It's falling apart. It's dying. So of course, I grabbed those pictures with with the the permission of the person who took the pictures, and I and I, I was I was of course reporting on the fact that the convention's dying. Nobody's attending it. Uh, these things are outdated things that are don't make sense in the YouTube era, especially. And uh, nobody wants to go because there's no fun to be had. Because like if you're just going to get lectured about being white, <laughs> why would you go pay somebody a hundred bucks for that and show up and hang out for the whole weekend to do that? Um, and so they did that. And there's this one author in there. Uh, his name is Patrick S. Tomlinson. And he is a, a complete lunatic, uh, just complete off the rails uh, leftist. He, he, he screeches and tags people, calls him, calls Tucker Carlson a Nazi, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and that's his, that's his MO. And, uh, and then, of course, he gets pushed back on Twitter. And when he gets pushed back for it, uh, he starts screaming that people are stalking him and that blah, 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 blah. Well, it's like you're building your Twitter being controversial. I get pushed back. I don't, I don't whine about people pushing back at me. Um, I just make fun of them. Uh, but <laughs> it's, uh, you know, it, it's what Twitter is. So, uh, so this guy writes on his blog here, like that, like I told this guy uh, to go take pictures of this author at that convention. Like talk about weird conspiracy theory. I, I didn't know that guy was at the convention until uh, you know, he was typing about it. Very odd thing. And, uh, and suddenly it's on his blog and it, it, he makes this weird thing showing a picture. And I guess one of the multiple pictures I posted, uh, had that guy sitting at a bar in the background. Like he's not even the focus of the picture. And that, that was their whole <laughs> deal. Yeah, like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, okay. a, a bad picture of him. 
yeah, these, these people are just freaking crazy. It, it's a, it's, it's a, it just makes me laugh. Like at the end of the day, all I can do is laugh. I can't get his blog taken down. Uh, it's his blog uh, and it's his freedom of speech to, to, to like, just be absolutely obsessed with me. Um, I just want to say for the record, Jim, I'm not gay. I'm happily married and, uh, and please just live your own life. Uh, I'm not interested. Uh, no means no. Uh, but, uh, you know, that's, that's the only thing I could do about it at the end of the day. Right. I mean, yeah. Well, you know, it was kind of funny because one of the things he posted was a screenshot of one of your tweets and on it, it has, it says blocked. So it's clearly he's blocked you. And this is he's something. Blocked always, me. Yeah. And reads my tweets. Yeah, huh. uh, I always find that really like frustrating that these people like block someone and then go read their their content. And I'm because to me, I'm sort of like, no, if you block someone, you don't get to like then stalk them without their knowledge. That's it seems creepy. like that's not a, a right thing to do, but I see it pretty often, actually. Um, well, that's it, why yeah. when I was on Twitter, my my standard MO was if checking someone I engaged with like negatively to see if they blocked me. And and then I would say, uh, give me a block and I'll block you back because mm-hmm. <laughs> I didn't want them to do that. Essentially, it was it, it was the only people I ever. Ended but even up then, it doesn't matter because you could still look at all the tweets and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, like a they different, the, the a different account or a private route. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's the Twitter block system is is almost functionally useless. Um, and it's too bad. Like I really like YouTube system, uh, where if I block somebody in the chat or whatever, cause they're going crazy on me, uh, they, they, they can type away to their heart's content and it just doesn't show for anybody. Uh, you know, I think, I think that's a nice, uh, nice way to handle it. If their tweets at me don't show, uh, for anybody, uh, I think that's fair because if they're going to block me, like, uh, you know, that's, they shouldn't be on my threads in theory. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I agree. I, I feel like Twitter really needs to update how that works because it does not actually work at all. Yeah. Um, and then, um, so off of Jim Chines, uh, this is back to you as a writer. Are you ever worried about, because you publish on Amazon and they're big tech, are you ever worried about possibly being kicked off of that platform? Oh yeah, all the time. Um, <laughs> it's uh, a shadow band. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, and th- those are both real uh, concerns. Uh, they basically, I live and breathe off Amazon for the novels. Nobody buys novels off of anything except for Amazon. Uh, I've been doing a lot with comics on the the uh, the crowdfund platforms, which there's multiple of those, so that's a little easier to do things with. Or if if worse comes to worse on that. I can crowdfund based on my own audience, like through my website, it's doable, but, uh, I do sell my books through my website. I can't, but like Amazon's got a lot of anti-competitive, uh, sort of structures within their systems and eBooks are really the way that novels and all that get read more these days than I would say like paperbacks. Like it's for comics. It's like, it's, it's, it's actually the direct reverse, like comics for paper, like 90% want paper. I guess they want the pictures on the pages and all that, which makes sense to me. And it's then easier ten, to read that way too mm-hmm. than on like on your phone or whatever. Ten percent, ten percent want eBooks or whatever, and it's just usually for cost purposes at that point. Amazon like ninety to ninety-five percent wants eBook, and then like five or ten percent want paperback. So Amazon makes it actually that if you're an author, uh, if you are not exclusive with Amazon, like like if I sell it on my website or Barnes and Noble or whatever. 
um, I only get a 35% royalty cut out of the sales for Amazon. However, if I go exclusive, I get a 70% cut. So they make it so financially difficult to not be exclusive with them, especially given 80, 90% of the ebook sales are on Amazon. Um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll cut my, you know, hundred sales at a Barnes and Noble or whatever for my thousand sales on Amazon to get me double the money. That's obvious math. I have to do that as a business. Um, so they have very anti-competitive practices and you're kind of forced into their ecosystem as an author. And if you're not, you're just kind of flailing to the wind. So um, I, it does very much scare me and I'm very heavily, heavily committed there. I wish it didn't have to be that way, uh, but I don't, I don't see a great economically viable alternative uh, for authors at this juncture. It's really a bummer. That, that does. I did not know about those percentages. Those are, those are terrifying. Those are just horrible. I don't know it's, how that's. It shouldn't be legal. That's literally no. monopolistic anti-competitive practices. Yeah. Yeah. It's, incredibly it's so. Uh, that's why, I mean, I've uh, like self-publishing has been a, a, like a growing field. Like I feel like, um, it killed some, uh, publishing giants, uh, not in, not in the way that they, it completely destroyed them, but like some, like someone like, uh, Harlequin, like I've, I've mentioned this before on the show, they were destroyed by Mm self-publishing because, uh, romance novelists were like, well, if I could just publish this on eBooks myself, like. I don't have to pay your outrageous fees or follow your stupid rules. So like, I feel like there was this golden period when self-publishing first started really coming out. And then we have, now we have Amazon, like as a juggernaut again, essentially like controlling that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I definitely need, I, I definitely see a need for a, a viable secondary option and probably a court case uh, for that, those percentages. <laughs> I just don't, I, it's just, nobody's going to do it. It's like, I, it really takes Congress to do something on the antitrust level. And we've seen that both uh, the Democrat and Republicans in Congress, they are lined in their pockets by the corporations. So they're never going to touch any of it. It's, uh, yeah. you know, I hate to be a black pillar. I'm very much, <laughs> I, I'm pretty optimistic about a lot of things. And I'm, uh, I try to be high energy about a lot of things, but like, uh, the federal government's not one of those things I'm optimistic about. I think it's just a cluster. Yeah. I, I 100% <laughs> am with you on that one. <laughs> the more and more and more I read about the federal government, the less and less and less I trust them. Like, it's like, in, it's directly inverse. <laughs> so what is your, like your major piece of advice for uh, non-woke writers right now? You got it. Honestly, there the the space is so competitive. The other thing that's happened over the years is there's millions of books on Amazon. You're not just competing against the books that are coming out next week or whatever, whenever your release is. You're coming out with every book ever in history, and it's always on demand. It's always available. It never goes away. So you really have to do a lot to stand out. And uh, Amazon actually makes it very hard uh, to be seen on their platforms. They're pretty pay to play now. You used to get a lot of good recommendations. If you like this, then you might like this. And those recommendations would do a lot for you. If you could, if you could get things uh, situated on that level uh, and there were ways to game that algorithm that were kind of fun a few years ago, but they don't work now. Uh, Amazon replaced a lot of those things with paid advertisements. And so you almost have to like do paid advertisements just to get seen on Amazon at this juncture. And that's not a lot of fun. Yeah. (laughs) So if you're not just like, independently wealthy to start, uh, you know, you're, you're at a big disadvantage at this point, if you don't have a platform. So what I, what I say is like, 
you know, it doesn't matter how good your book is. I always tell people this, like if you can't market it, uh, you're, especially as an independent person, you are dead in the water. I knew a guy in 2016, 2017, and he probably wrote some of the most wonderful science fiction I've ever read. The prose was off the charts, like, you know, top tier, top tier. <clears throat> the concept was fun, very interesting stuff. And uh, he had a thing called central pain syndrome. I don't even know if he's alive now. Um, but the central pain syndrome, actually, his body just sent communications that he was in pain all the time. And some days it would be worse mm -hmm. than other. He couldn't get rid of it. Um, and some days he would just be, couldn't even get out of bed. Well, so he never was able to promote his book whatsoever. Uh, the book was perfect. There was nothing unprofessional about it. Uh, absolutely great stuff. He sold 30 copies of his book. And it doesn't matter how good your book is <laughs> mm -hmm. at all. You could be, you could be the next Hemingway. You could be amazing. Um, you do have to have a level of competency, I'd say, because if people find your book and it's just like really poorly done and not <laughs> a professional level, of course, that's going to be a different ballgame. But assuming you're at a professional level, so are a million other people. Um, so the only way to get out there to differentiate yourself is to market yourself. You better develop some sort of like thing where people want to follow you on Twitter or follow you on YouTube or something like that. It is really the only way to get yourself seen. And if you get people to invest into you, not only are you going to be able to sell your one book, but you'll be able to sell your next book too, because people will be there for you and they'll be like, okay, I trust this person, whatever content they want to come out with. And I rely on this a lot because um, another big part of being an author, do the same thing over and over again. If you write spaceships, shooting at spaceships, every one of your books should be spaceships, shooting at spaceships. Mm -hmm. And Everyone will buy every one of those books. If you suddenly go do, uh, you know, knights fighting dinosaurs, uh, you're going to get a lot of angry emails going, where's your spaceship book? And why are you writing knights fighting dinosaurs? Uh, it is, it is people really just fall into their reading habits. You were talking Harlequin. That, that's a great example. Women who read Harlequin romance novels only read Harlequin romance novels. They don't, they don't venture out. I mean, you, you might, you know, occasionally, right. But it's like, if that's your thing, that's your thing. And, and so I'm not good about that. I'm horrible about that. I actually do not take my own advice on this. Uh, I like to experiment and just, I, I, I want to tell a different story. I get bored. And so um, I want to, right now I've got a book on Indiegogo called a high school girl in the crusades. And it's literally like a YA, uh, you know, sort of adventure about a girl, a friend of high school who gets transported back into 1099 AD. That is silly. And it doesn't match with my, you know, superheroes. It doesn't match with my, uh, spaceship fighting each other series. Uh, it's totally its own thing. And my audience just goes, what? <laughs> um, but because I, I'm a personality and because people are, are buying into me a lot of the time, buying into my culture war and what I'm doing, they know they're going to get a good Christian theme story that like is going to be clean. It's going to have a fun storyline. I'm all about action and adventure always. So they, they know I'm going to get that. And even though I'm experimenting with different genres and all that, because they're buying into me, they're more likely to buy into my like little whimsical projects where I want to, you know, do something artsy and different than if I, you know, was doing the right thing and just writing the same thing over and over again. <laughs> I, that's advice I've never heard yeah. before because uh, I have to say, like, I'm an incredibly eclectic reader. Like I read basically anything. That's unusual. Very unusual. Yes. Yeah, apparently. Uh, <laughs> and I was, I was starting to realize that more recently when people were like, why are you reading this? Like, I don't know. It looked interesting. I don't know. You find it a lot with authors like, um, 
I was really good friends with uh, uh, Anne McCaffrey's son. Anne McCaffrey did the Dragon Riders of Pern back in the 70s mm-hmm. and all that. And she had a bunch of other sci-fi series too. And, and even though they're all sci-fi together, the, even like even the individual like subgenres, like people don't cross that much. And if they like your Dragon Riders of Pern series, they're going to buy every Dragon Riders of Pern book you come out with. But as soon as she does her Crystal Singer series, like it just like her audience level just like tanks by like a 10th. And it doesn't matter. It's like, that's a book one. So people could start there. It's fine. Uh, it's a great book. And Crystal Singer is probably one of my top five favorite books of all time. Uh, but people just loved Dragon Riders of Pern and it, they just wanted Dragon Riders of Pern. And I, I see that, I see the conventions. Like there was a, there was another old lady author um, and uh, I'm not going to name her, but uh, <laughs> she, uh, she was at a, at a convention and I could tell she's a shy introverted lady and she's writing some fantasy stuff when she used to write the spaceship pew pew sci-fi stuff and her fantasy stuff's not selling as well and everybody in there just like raises their hand every single panel when are you going to write the new spaceship book and it's like is there going to be a new spaceship book and it's just like and you can tell she's just sitting there frustrated like i'm writing this right now uh and it's just like you know she's probably got that across the country as she's toured around hundreds of times uh, but it is the way that people are. They get very, in, I, you know, I'm not denigrating audience or anything like that. If you love something, by all means, love something. Like, it's not my place to tell you one way or another. Uh, but it is it is, uh, it is, is kind of sad to watch these authors, like, get pigeonholed and have to do one thing. And I'm, yeah. I'm trying hardest to avoid that. Yeah. I saw, I met Terry Brooks a couple years mm-hmm. ago. And he was uh, touring, he was doing, uh, for his book, Street Freaks. And okay. um, he had to publish it with a different publisher because his publisher was like, it's too off, uh, you know, brand for yep. what we want from you. And I'm like, it's Terry Brooks. Like one of the, like, he's huge. And they, yes. and, and they won't print it because it's just not what they want or expect for, they don't think it's going to sell. It's not your epic fantasy series. What are you doing, you idiot? Yeah, it's, exactly. it's really sad. And that's, it was that's weird, too, because he said that they wanted... It was weird, too, because one of the things he said was that they wanted something different from him. And he's like... Yes. <laughs> and they're like, no, not that. And, yeah. and I was like, that's... oh, that." I mean, I was like, that's terrible. But I, I, it makes sense from... After this conversation, it makes more sense. But, okay, so now, what's your best advice for non-woke readers? Um, uh, stop buying anything corporate with brand stuff on it. Uh, they, the corporate people really just make you rely on the brand and get you addicted to the brand. And then they feed you little bits of nostalgia, you know, uh, just to try to try to sell their crappy woke product every single time. And it's a bait and switch every single time. But they, but they're counting on the fact that you're so addicted. It's like, it's like, it's like you're an alcoholic or something like that. But you'll always come back, and you're going to keep getting that other drink. You're, I, I, it's just one drink, right? <laughs> they know that you're going to keep doing that, right? And so, uh, just it's hard to do. I mean, I do it too. I'm not. I'm not. I, I always caveat this. I'm not perfect. Don't look at me like I'm Jesus about this. Like, um, you know, I'm, I'm part of this culture too. Um, but if you can. Uh, find people like myself. Uh, there, there's a lot of people in my circle. So if you want to, I can always recommend, if you don't like me, I can <laughs> recommend you to some people. Uh, that's fine too. Uh, who are just people who ally with your values, who don't hate you, especially. I mean, you don't <laughs> want to give money to 
people who hate you. And there's a whole ecosystem. It really is there, but you just have to look for it. It's a, it, it can be some work, but once you find it, you'll find a really good community. You'll find a lot of good entertainment and you'll find that there's people out there that really do have like the classic sensibilities that was the stuff that you like about the old versions of those brands, uh, but aren't there any longer. Well, thank you so much. I think that's pretty good advice to to both our readers and writers uh, in the audience. And um, I want to thank you again for coming on the show. This was a great conversation. I really enjoyed a lot of it. Obviously, you hit, you had me laughing quite a bit. <laughs> um, and so uh, I hope to have you back maybe for a discussion sometime. Uh, this was 451 Degrees on the Unsafe Space Network. And uh, if you could watch your fingers over to the like and subscribe and share buttons, we would really appreciate it. Leave a comment below to let us know what you thought about this. And we will see you next time. Thanks for spending your time with us today. If you're new to the channel, we have a deep content library that includes discussions with everyone from James Lindsay to Brett Weinstein. So go check it out. And please consider supporting the Unsafe Space team by visiting unsafespace.com donate. You can find us on a variety of social media platforms, and you can find a community of like-minded individuals on our Unsafe Space Discord server, which is open to financial supporters at any level. See you there. Warning. This is an unsafe space. Dangerous ideas have been detected. The content of this production has not been authorized by the cathedral. Pay no attention to it. Please download this updated list of contagious individuals. Use the hashtag GetBoosted to receive two complimentary Liberty Pellets. Mass formation psychosis is just a right-wing talking point. Please purge it from memory and resume your programming. If you think about it, no one should be allowed to express opinions. But don't. Think about it, I mean. That's not your job. Thinking has been scientifically proven to be less efficient than compliance. Science, scientific, and scientifically are registered trademarks of the World Economic Forum. Unauthorized use is prohibited. Computer voice courtesy. Never mind, that last line is fake news. Please disregard it and return to your safe space immediately. There will be cake.